Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of the WRSU Crew here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. I'm Dylan McCoy holding it down in the studio with K.R. Pallon, Mikey Nichols, and Gideon Fox with me on the Opals. Guys, how are you doing on this Wednesday, middle of the weekday? Um, guys? Yeah, I'm doing well, Dylan. Uh, no, glad to be here on the crew. You know, I, I think this is the highlight of my Wednesday usually because Wednesday it's Usually hump day is the middle of the week, and uh, you know, getting a jump on the crew with you guys usually the highlight of my week. It helps me get past this hump day. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, definitely bittersweet with this semester coming to an end. This is probably our last show, but definitely excited to be here. A lot to discuss. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely bittersweet. But I finished finals today, so it's it's all up and down. That's that's hype. I gotta yeah, say. The... I'm on the same boat. Big day for Rutgers. My... It is a big day for Rutgers. They're going to lose uh, lose that on me, giving them money. You know, I just took my uh, last ever finals. Um, graduating, I think, this week or next week. I don't even remember. But, um, yeah, excited to be here. Last crew. But I'm sure I'll be tuning in to you guys uh, here on out as well. Always entertaining, like Mikey mentioned. You know, just a nice uh, break in the middle of the week. But... Um, you know, still lots of sports going on, even though our semesters are coming to an end. Absolutely. A lot going on on the Rutgers front. Uh, K.O.R., before we go any further, just have to say congratulations. It's not Thank easy you. to graduate college. Uh, that is a big accomplishment. Um, but all right, let's get into it. The Rutgers uh, teams, you know, beginning to uh, begin their postseason runs. We've seen the men's and women's lacrosse team qualify for the NCAA tournament. Uh, K.R., you were talking about it off-air. I believe the golf team uh, is going to NCAA soon. Um, and we also have the men's baseball team, who looks like they have a chance at possibly going to regionals. Gideon, I want to go to you. Um, I know you've really been on top of the uh, lacrosse teams uh, this year. You know, How do you think they're going to do in their respective tournaments, and do you like the matchups they got uh, in the first round? Yeah, so first of all, I think them just being there is an accomplishment. You know, Dylan, I know we talked about on the Monday crew with the women's team has not been in this point. Um, have they not made the national tournament since 1999? The men's team hasn't made the national tournament since 2004. So just being here is an accomplishment, especially after both teams losing in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. They were both one and done. Uh, the men lost the game that they really should have won. They really could have won. Uh, they lost to Johns Hopkins, who they had beaten twice before, outscored them by 10 throughout those two games, and then lost them 12 to 10. So they're going to have to rebound from that, and they rebounded from losses this year. Um, they only lost three times. It was that one time, like I just said, to Johns Hopkins, then twice to Big Ten champion Maryland Terrapin. So with the men's team, I do like their matchup against Lehigh. Uh, I think Rutgers plays – they've played Maryland a bunch this year, which that, that's been their toughest opponent right now, and I think they'll be able to take a lot of that to Lehigh. Um, Lehigh is pretty, you know, they're a mid-major, so they haven't seen the competition that Rutgers has, and the Big Ten isn't, um, in, in lacrosse, the Big Ten when it comes to lacrosse, 
in men's lacrosse at least is not the same as it is in basketball. Uh, the ACC is superior when it comes to that. But I mean, looking at Lehigh, they they've only lost once this year, and they made it. They won their first game of the Patriot League tournament. They played Colgate and they won. Uh, then their game against Loyola was canceled. So this team only lost once. They got destroyed by Villanova. They lost by eight. I do like this matchup because I like. I think Rutgers is good when they play up. When Rutgers plays a team that's better than them, they step it up because the, the Rutgers men's team struggles at faceoffs. They always do. They don't have a true faceoff specialist, so they have to pick up the slack when it comes to everything else. So if if it's known going into the game that Rutgers is the underdog, which they are, they're unseated going into the lacrosse tournament, which is something that's kind of unique to lacrosse. They need to step it up all over the place when it comes to offense, defense, transition. Rutgers is great in transition. So now if it's we're going to lose the same amount of faceoffs to Johns Hopkins as we're going to lose to to, um, to Lehigh, Lehigh's probably going to win a couple bit more, a couple more, but we're really not going to be winning that many faceoffs. So when Rutgers is the underdog and they have to play better than their opponent, who's better than them. They need to, it's, it's, it's more, you know, it's more on the offense and defense to step up. And I think that's speaks to Rutgers' strength um, that shows offense and defense a goal to work towards. That means they have to play on top of everything. And, you know, if we lose a face off, forget about it, move on, make a turnover, force a turnover, get the ball back on defense and pass it up on the offense. Cause we have one of the best attacks in the big 10 made up of pretty much all seniors. So super experienced attack, but Rutgers needs to, to step it up in every regard uh, besides for face offs. Cause they can't really do that. Yeah, absolutely, Gideon. We've seen faceoffs be a big problem for uh, this Rutgers team. Jonathan Dugenio, the faceoff specialist, the sophomore, uh, you know, clearly uh, having a little bit of a tough time, you know, adjusting to just, I think, his increased role this year. Um, KOR, I'd love to hear more about the golf team. You know, it's a team that we don't often get to cover here on WRSU due to their. tournaments being so few and far between but i i would love to hear uh your analysis on what's going on with that so we actually had the um members from the golf team participate in the big 10 tournament uh this past weekend uh, we had uh freshman Rhett sellers uh who was playing in the big 10 as well and he was tied for 10th and the Rutgers men's team men's golf team in the Big Ten, uh, I believe, came fourth overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was a pretty good showing, considering that there's a, a mix-up of talent from you know all levels, freshmen uh, to seniors. And so we had freshman Rhett Sellers, who was tied for 10th. And then we had um, them, uh, sorry, we had a senior, uh, Christopher Goddard, who shot a tournament low uh, four under. And he tied for sixth in the Big Ten Championships. And that was basically good enough for his bid to make it to the NCAA tournament. Um, and this is his, This will be a first appearance from the Rutgers men's golf team since 2005. So he was se- selected as an individual to compete in the 2021 NCAA Kingston Springs Eastern, East Regional, um, which will be held from May 17th to the 19th, which is, I believe, this upcoming weekend. Um, at the golf club in Tennessee. So I will be the lone representative from the golf team. You know, it's obviously a uh, great achievement nonetheless. He was the second team all-conference selection, uh, and he's going to be making his first ever NCAA appearance and the first for Rutgers uh, this week coming up. And obviously it'll be a pretty good, uh, pretty good, I would say, test for him 
coming on short notice. Obviously, he played last week and this week, but I'm sure he's hyped nonetheless, and, and the men's golf team will, will support him nonetheless either. Um, so it should be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's just kind of weird because we have all these kind of sports that fly under the radar due to Rutgers being, you know, having such a high name in, in basketball, football. Uh, so you don't you don't often hear athletes from golf and lacrosse or even rowing, who is, um, I believe they're sitting at fifth rank right now. So all these teams are, you know, they're they're finally, I would say, putting the putting Rutgers on the radar. And, and it's not only those big, uh, big sports that Rutgers is known for. They're finally, you know, getting recognized and getting the attention they deserve, in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I, I think since Pat Hobbs become the athletic director, we've seen an overall, you know, boost in the athletics program as a whole. I don't really think you can disagree with that. Um, you know, more teams are qualifying for things that they haven't qualified for in ages or decades. You know, we've seen with the men's basketball team and, you know, the men's lacrosse team qualified for the NCAAs for the first time in, I believe, 15 years. Um, you know, one team that we're still following during their regular season right now is the baseball team. I believe they're around 500, 19 and 19. Um, during this season, they've had a few impressive hitters, uh, Chris Brito, Evan slight. Um, you know, they've had an impressive pitching performance from Harry Rutowski, who's quickly becoming one of the better pitchers in the history of, of the school. Uh, Mikey, I know you're a big fan of the, uh, Rutgers baseball team. You know, what, what, what kind of impact do you think, this team can have for the rest of the regular season? And do you think they will uh, qualify for their regional uh, come tournament time? Yeah, Dylan, I, uh, thankfully, uh, thankful to Chris, he, he gave me a chance to, uh, to, uh, call a game on WRSU last, uh, last month. And I'm going to have a couple more coming up one with you, I believe later in the month. So just thankful to Chris about that. But since coach Steve Bones took over, uh, this team has really made a sort of a quick turnaround, but you know I really think that this team does have a very good chance of ending the season strong. You met you mentioned you know guys like Brito and Mike Neister, and but you know someone that you you didn't mention was Ryan Lasko, and who he's going to be. He's one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten Conference. Um, he's a very good hitter. Oh, I think Mike needs to take care of something real quick. But you know, Gideon, um, I know, I know you're also a, a fan of of the baseball team. You know, he was talking about Ryan Lasko. Uh, who do you think has had the the biggest impact in the lineup, and then who do you think has had the biggest impact uh, on the mound? Yeah, I mean, Mike was right when you when he brought up Ryan Lasko. Um, I have not had a chance to call a Rutgers baseball game. I will be doing so later in the month, but I've produced a bunch of them. And that's the name that you just keep hearing every time. He, I think he hits first or second in the lineup. Um, so, he, you know, his job is to just get on base, and he does that so well. He's also amazing in the field. Um, plays outfield. He's, he's fast. I believe he plays outfield. Um, he's fast. He makes those, those tough catches. And I think having – you know, you don't necessarily think of – the Big Ten Conference as a baseball conference, a lot of times you go to the SEC. Um, but I think Rutgers is proving themselves to be, as becoming a formidable baseball program, you know, just as we said with a lot of other Rutgers sports coming to the forefront, not necessarily some of the bigger, you know, some of the smaller programs that we don't always hear about. Um, and also, you know, on that note, the women's lacrosse team, 
like we started with, they are playing Drexel um, on Friday. I'll be calling that game with assistant sports director and future general manager, Jake Schmid. Um, and that, you know, Dylan, you asked about the men's matchup against Lehigh and what I thought, and I'm not, I'm not going to be losing sleep over that. I think the men's team is well suited to play teams above them. What, what's a little scary about the women playing Drexel, um, Drexel, they went 13 and two. They lost in double overtime in their conference tournament in the CAA. Um, so they're, they're good. And they, they've outscored opponents by a lot this year. Um, they beat a Georgetown team 21 to nine. They beat Villanova 17 to seven. They have big wins. And, you know, the Rutgers women's across team is here for a reason. They've proven themselves throughout the regular season, but they're somewhat new, um, you know, to make it to, they're somewhat new to making the tournament. So I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about their matchup against, against Drexel, but I do think, you know, Drexel is a 10th uh, seeded team. And just like the men's team, the women's team is also unranked or unseeded in the tournament. So I definitely think there's a chance. I just think that you have to have a run it, have a game with no mistakes and just be on the top of your game when it comes to the women's across team. Absolutely would agree. Anytime you go uh, into a single elimination tournament, you always have to be on top of your game. It's definitely one of the harder things to do uh, in sports is get through a tournament like that. Mikey, do we have you uh, back on the air? Yep, we're all we're all good now. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> no, no problem. Just wanted to make sure you were back, man. Um, but overall, you know, Rutgers programs have had um an increased. Uh, level of success over the past couple of years um so i just want to get ask you guys as a whole you know what are you guys most excited for um you know coming as rutgers is probably going to be coming back mostly in person in the fall um what aspect of rutgers athletics excites you the most about coming back to campus seeing greg shiano on the sideline I, i can't wait for a week one i can't wait to be back in the stadium Yeah, knowing uh, knowing that I probably won't be able to go in that student section anymore. Um, th- if I were you guys, that's probably the number one thing. Being in a sold out SHI stadium in the student section, uh, especially under the lights. I know those games were always the best. So I uh, hope you guys do get the experience of that, and if you do, relish it because those nights were probably one of the best nights uh, athletically. You know, for the athletic programs and for memories for students themselves. So. Um, I know if, if you guys are on campus, you know, and I'm sure there's probably going to be limited capacity. Um, they're still going to be fun. Uh, so, so enjoy that. And I think it's going to be, you know, probably carried on to the basketball games as well when hopefully, um, the rack can be packed, uh, come, you know, it, it, when it comes winter time, hopefully. So it should be, should be a fun, I would say, turning point for Rutgers Athletics and, and for fans to finally get a chance to support this team after everything that's happened in the last couple of years. So uh, exciting, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you touched on it, K.O.R. Uh, I really, with Rutgers being back on campus, I think of uh, the rack. Um, you know, I think this, this Rutgers men's basketball team uh, their, their lead, their effort, um, that re- they really feed off of, you know, the energy from the rack, from the students at the rack. And, uh, I think a full trapezoid of terror, uh, will do very good for the Rutgers men's basketball team, as well as, uh, the students and just people being back around. Uh, but that's what I look forward to mostly. It may not necessarily be in the fall, 
but that is what I look forward to mostly uh, next school year. Yeah, absolutely agree with you guys. You know, I am very excited just to be back in the stands, to be back uh, at Chai Stadium in the rack as well. Um, and overall, just excited to, you know, have athletics back to what, you know, we kind of remember it being this interactive uh, experience that, you know, we're not part of the team, but we are kind of in a way because we are like part of the school, which is interesting. Um, I think the dynamic between like the fans and the players in college football is something that's super special. So I'm really excited to have that back. Um, and it should be a lot more exciting than honestly when we went into quarantine because we have a Rutgers football team that definitely has had the highest prospects they've had in probably the last half decade with Greg Schiano coming back and the team proving competitive and the advances in recruiting. Uh, it's it's an exciting time to be a Rutgers football fan. I definitely think that's something that uh, you can't disagree with as a Rutgers fan. Yeah, Dylan, I totally agree with that. I think especially after last year where we finally did see that turnaround and you know, last Rutgers football season was one of the best Rutgers football seasons in recent memory, if not the best in recent memory. So, you know, not having fans in that, I think is only making fans hungrier and excited, more excited to go back to the stadium. Uh, you know, myself included in that, I think, you know, watch it was, it was great to see a Rutgers football team win. You know, it was very comfortable with my feet up on my couch to watch that happen. But, you know, okay. Or like you mentioned the student section, those are really being in the student section at, a big 10 school, especially like Rutgers where everything's finally coming, you know, everything's coming to fruition. Now we're finally seeing success. I think right now with the current upswing in Rutgers sports, you know, being in a student section is a very unique experience and something that you can't really replicate at a professional sporting event, just because of the, the feelings and the relation that you have to the players that you see them in class every day, you see them walking around. So, you know, I think you could have great environments and great atmospheres at professional sporting events, but uh, you just can't replicate what happens at in a college in a college student section, either at the rack or at the stadium. You can't replicate that anywhere else. Absolutely, with the rack, you really can't replicate that anywhere else because no other stadium is that poorly built or built in that shape. No, it is not built poorly. It is built smartly. The the. Str- yeah, strategically is strategically, the word I should have used. Yes, strategically. Right, right. Um, but no, I absolutely agree. Uh, I, I, I really just can't wait to be in in both of those. You know, just just out and about on Bush and Livingston to get to be uh, at those games. Uh, ultimately, I think that. You know, it's great that athletics are coming back and got to be excited as as a Rutgers fan. This is... The Wednesday edition of the WRSU crew here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. And this is our Locks of the Night segment where we lead you to the promised land of sports betting riches. Uh, Or at least that's what we attempt to do. Uh, How the result is, your wallets or our wallets may know. Uh, We don't care to share. We'll keep that to ourselves. But 
Um, this is Locks of the Night. I'm Don McCoy, joined by Gideon Fox, Mikey Nichols, and K.R. Pallon on the Opals. Guys, uh, I want to go to Gideon first because I know Gideon has a really good lock. Gideon, what is your lock of the night? Well, Dylan, my lock is, I feel like something that you could get behind is the New York Yankees playing against the Tampa Bay Rays in an AL East matchup. Garrett Cole is on the mound for, for the Yankees, second best pitcher in New York right now. Uh, he's absolutely wheeling and dealing right now. He's 4-1, and 1.61 ERA. Luke Voigt is back in the lineup, so the Yankees are going to have another fantastic defender, another great bat. Uh, Luke Voigt's batting fifth tonight. So very excited to see Luke Voigt back in the lineup, but at minus 196, I'm going to take the Yankees over the Rays. I like that game. Yeah, I could definitely get behind it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan. <laughs> why? Why not? Really, Mike? Why? I, I think that's a smart, a safe bet, in my opinion. Oh, well, well uh, I'm not a fan for two reasons. One reason, you're gonna bet nineteen cents to win ten cents. Not, not smart mathematically to me. No but, unit. Uh, there's no unit shaming on this show. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, I know. The real reason was because there's no more hockey, and Gideon always gives me the hockey picks, and I love it. That's the real reason. Nah, totally, totally oh, I appreciate understandable. That, Mike. Totally understandable. I, it's tough. It's tough, Mike. I get that. It's it's crazy now because you know I feel like we've been I've been relying on these hockey odds so frequently this year, um, and I know you know the Monday crew. They usually go down in silence, but you know we always have a good conversation about some of the hockey odds whenever we talk. Whenever I bring those up, so gonna miss that, but hopefully we get yeah, back to that next year. Yeah, well, uh, playoffs should be starting uh, next week for the NHL, so I'm excited for that. But uh, Dylan, uh, what is your what is your lock? I'm glad that you asked. I'm gonna keep it in the world of baseball. Um, the Dodgers tonight are playing the Mariners. Um, that is just a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for pretty much all of Seattle's history, except for like seven years in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, the Dodgers are very good. They're one of the best teams in baseball. The Mariners are rebuilding, as as they often do. Uh, I like the Dodgers. I like them at minus one and a half on the run line. They're minus 270 on the money line, which that's that's like safe, beyond safe. Uh I like that minus one and a half makes the odds a little bit better. And I definitely think they can uh, win by more than one run. I think they have a a heavy advantage in this matchup. Is is Kalenic playing tonight? Uh, Jared, Jared Kalenic, I believe, is uh, playing his first game. Uh, Logan Gilbert also got called up. I don't know if you saw that today. One of their yeah, uh, top right-handers. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um it makes me sick to my stomach, but uh, besides that point, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid watching Kalenic play, and I'm gonna be watching uh my Brooklyn Nets tonight. Good choice. And uh, they're favored by four and a half points over the Spurs. Uh, yeah, Kyrie Zappel, you got James Harden back in. Oh, and Kevin Durant just decided to take the night off last night because they knew they were gonna get the dub. You know. Chill with a nice little twenty low twenty point game. Kevin Durant's getting thirty tonight. So not only that's favored by four and a half, I like that. I like Kevin Durant at thirty plus points tonight. 
I really might have to trail that. Like, I, I, I'm really thinking about trailing that, man. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That definitely sounds like it can happen, too, because Harden's probably going to have, like, 10 to 12 assists. I might have to... I might have to Dylan. I might have to find some juice uh, during one of our commercials. Uh, maybe make a maybe make a nice uh, parlay, and I might have to send you a picture of it. Maybe, maybe just maybe, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Kor, want to go to you, man? Uh, what is your lock of the night? Um, I guess I got to stick with basketball as well if we're doing tonight. Um. You know, I, I guess one of the locks for sure, like you said, were the Nets. So I'll, I'll go with some of the other games. Uh, the Wizards are sitting at plus seven right now against the Atlanta Hawks, uh, which I really like. You could get that at minus 110. If you parlay that up um, with the Jazz money line, which is at minus 113 against the Portland Trailblazers, that should be pretty uh, fun as well. And then the last one I'll probably take is... Um, you could get the Cavs at plus six, or you could get the Boston Celtics money line at minus 245. I think I'll go with the Cavs at plus six. You parlay those three up. So you get the Jazz money line, Wizards plus seven, and Cavs plus six. You get that at plus 589. Um, probably sprinkle a little bit on there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say and go put the mortgage on it, but sprinkle a little bit. Maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't, but one of those nights. I would say do not put your mortgage on anything. Uh, let's, of course, of course. No, 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 no one would do that. No way. Yeah, no, yeah. Don't put a mortgage. I mean, do you have a mortgage, Kr? Not yet, but that's the dream. Well, listen, if, the if, dream. if I hit one of these bets, then then we could be talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. There we go. That's I what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Speaking of gambling. I found out that there are Twitch streamers out there who all they do is stream themselves gambling on online sites. I'm and a these fan. Guys, these guys don't like, don't like, you know, gamble like us where, you know, we put in a five, ten, fifteen dollar bet. Maybe if we're feeling lucky, we put in like a twenty-five or a fifty year, right? These guys are playing the slots, and every spin is like a two hundred dollar spin, and they're playing with like bankrolls of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then I saw somebody I was watching off of one spin get like into the bonus and then essentially get a multiplier of whatever they win. And they won $140,000 off of one spin. But keep in mind, he'd wow. already also lost like I would say 46, 40 to 60K up until that point. So is he sponsored by that by that site? Is my no, they, that's that's the crazy. He should part. be. So there, there's two types of streamers, right? You get sponsored and you play with like the sponsored money that the site gives you, or you play with your own money. And this guy plays with its own money. And keep in mind, he's streaming, so he's also getting donations at the same time, and he's also like spending money at the same time to make money. So, I don't know if you call call if you call it like a genius or or smart way to like make money, but he's also like risking himself losing his entire net worth on air, on live, in front of thousands of people watching him. Hey, scared money I don't mean, make I, no money. That's true. Facts. Yeah, and I think if, I don't know if the money works out, especially if they're going to be throwing that much on, you know, a single slot machine game, but, you know, if you're getting paid, he's getting paid to gamble, so, you know, think about it in our terms, you know, we're just throwing around 
you know, our pocket change at night and a little bit more than that too. But we're, you know, we're just trying to have some fun and make some money. But if we were getting paid to gamble, you know, it's, it's a win-win either way, but you know, it sounds like these guys are throwing in way more money than a, than a sponsored or a donor, a donor viewer would give you. Oh yeah. They're, they're like way more comfortable enough than throwing 60 K a night on air just to make like a couple thousand or just to get like a couple hundred subs on Twitch. Uh, but listen, hopefully one of us gets to that comfortable point in our life where we can comfortably put $250 on one slot spin. One day, one day, but let's get into the world of the MLB. Now, Mikey, you know, I have uh, previously made jokes about Francisco Lindor and, and his slow start, but, but I got to admit, you know, like, 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 Giancarlo Stanton, another player in New York who is very hot. Uh, I believe Lindor is on a six-game hitting streak. Uh, the Mets had another big win. I think today they uh, got Matt Harvey out of there very quickly. Um, you know, I, do do you think the Mets are are starting to turn a corner? You know, do you think the hitting is is getting there, and do you think they're going to be able to you know become this team that everyone, including myself, expects them to be a a, a playoff team uh, come September? Yeah, I I definitely think they are turning a corner for sure. You know, you look at any big name that comes to New York, they're they're usually going to start off slow. You know, it, it's a big stage. Even without fans in the you know in the arenas, you still have all that extra media attention and all that extra PR attention afterwards. So, you know, it it's definitely gets in your head a little bit. I think that's all that happened with Lindor, but I think, you know, he's a great player, and you see he's coming out of it now. Um, the one thing I would be a little worried about, Dylan, right now, the the Mets do have some injuries right now that they need to worry about. I know Jeff McNeil had some cramps yesterday. Um, you know, Almora hit the wall trying to make a catch yesterday. So, uh you know, they, they do have a little bit of injuries. Jacob DeGrom's going on the I.L. And, of course, they send the guard. Carrasco's still on the I.L. So, I want to see what they can be when they're 100% healthy. Um, when they're 100% healthy, I, I'm i much more confident in them. But uh, if they can keep this pace up, you know, uh, stay above 500 till they're 100% healthy, then I really think they're going to turn the corner. Yeah, you know, I I have to agree. I know Degrom is out for probably he's gonna miss two starts, but uh, I ultimately think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna come back healthy, and I think you know they're 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 too talented of a team to not make the playoffs. In my in my opinion, I just think talent really plays out in baseball because it's such a long season. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing we saw with the Yankees. They had a slow start this year, and you know they're 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 slowly but surely becoming the division favorites that they were on uh, the preseason. And I think the Mets are doing the same thing right now. Uh, I think soon, hopefully they'll be in front and their, uh, their two series this year should be a uh, very interesting and very uh, influential series. Yeah. Um, they're definitely too talented of a team to not make the playoffs, but I've seen that happen tons of times with the Mets. It's, it's it's almost like it's almost second nature to to the Mets. I, I don't know what it is, so you know I'm always like, skeptical. But this team is 
They they have everything necessary to make the playoffs and to make a run in the playoffs. The bullpen, where I was most worried about the team, is pitching really well. Edwin Diaz is looking to, like the guy that the Mets traded for. I think the trade was now three years ago at this point. Uh, that they won three years ago. Um, you know, Trevor May has performed really well except for his first couple outings. Um, you know, the bullpen's pitched great. Once uh, you get Syndergaard, Carrasco, and DeGrom back, that starting lineup looks very good, even on top of Taiwan Walker, Stroman pitching well. So, team's really talented. Uh, again, health is, is the X factor. As it often is in New York, you know, especially with the Yankees we've seen in the past couple of years, uh, injuries, you know, really hurt a team and they can hurt, you know, when it matters the most. Uh, Gideon, I want to go to you. You're a fellow uh, Yankees fan. Um, how have you felt about, you know, we have Garrett Cole starting tonight. How do you think he's done this season? And do you think he's pitching at an AL Cy Young level? I think, you know, the a second part of that question is good. And that's, that's why I'm hesitant to immediately jump out and say yes. I don't – I think right now, if he holds this up the whole year, um, yes, I think he's pitching at an AL Cy Young level. I don't think now he's kind of crossing that threshold into being the best pitcher in the AL. Uh, but going back for a second, though, and you talked about health in New York and – both good and bad news for the Yankees. And I talked about it during locks, which because I've been waiting for it all season. Luke Voigt's finally back. We have our first baseman. Jay Bruce has retired. Luke Voigt has regained his spot at first base. Very excited to see Luke Voigt back. And that's, that's, you know, that's the nice thing about the recent injury news for the Yankees. But now they're up to seven positive COVID cases on the team. Uh, Glaber Torres is out. He wasn't even at the facilities today. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of players are getting vaccinated, but, it's still, you know, COVID is still spreading through the team. So, you know, having a COVID stoppage right now, just when things are getting hot, just when John Carlos Stanton gets his stop, gets his gets his style and his his swagger back and is able to hit balls again, and is you know being amazing, um, and has been the John Carlos Stanton that we traded for, and has finally been staying away from injuries, um, and has been able to to make it work in the plate and at the field. He's an absolute cannon in the outfield. So, if you know, it, it would obviously first and foremost, I hope that everyone on the Yankees and I know we all hope that everyone on the Yankees who has COVID, um, you know, gets over it quickly. But a stoppage right now, a total stoppage for the Yankees right now, I think would really hurt the team. And I think when it comes to Garrett Cole, I think that would mess up the rhythm that he's kind of built up over his last couple of starts. So, you know, hopefully everyone's OK. Hopefully we get through this COVID stoppage and doesn't really spread too much more. Yeah, you know, you, you see you see everyone getting vaccinated and you think that it's almost over, but you're reminded that it could still have, you know, a lot of side effects on your professional team. Unfortunately, the Yankees losing a lot of their coaches, um, and now it's spreading to players, guys like Glaber are not playing. But Luke Voigt is really exciting to have. He was raking in AAA. I believe he went like six for eight with like two home runs in one of the series. Uh, he was just hitting impressively. So hopefully he's going to be able to translate some of that to the – major league level um you know i kind of this is kind of an open-ended question for you guys but do you guys see a, a, an mvp candidate in either of the leagues really uh really stepping out in the beginning of the season like has anyone really put themselves past the field in your opinion 
Oh, that's really tough, Dylan, because it's 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 really only been it's been less than a quarter of a season, really, um, or close to a quarter of a season. It's it's really hard to say. I couldn't give you a solid answer right now, Dylan. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Giddy or Kaor, do you, either of you guys think you've seen someone who's impressed you a lot this this first month? Just like Mike, I'm not. I can't give you a solid answer. Um, just because so much is is to happen. You know, the, the whole season has to play out. You know, we look at who we're used to hearing. We're used to hearing about Garrett Cole being a stud on the mound. We're used to hearing about Jacob Degrom being a stud on the mound. He's injured right now, but when Jacob Degrom is healthy, he is. Scary. He's scary to, to to look against when you're on the mound. So you look at those guys when it comes to pitching. Then you always hear like Juan Soto. Um, but I think if I had to make one pick, and I'm this is not I'm not bringing this up during locks of the week for the, for a reason. I would not put any money on this right now. But I think Mike Trout, just because the Angels are now somewhat more in the conversation of being a, a respectable team. You have Shohei Otani who was playing outfield yesterday, but it's just something else. Um, but now you have you finally have someone else in the Angels lineup who could kind of take the weight off of Mike Trout's shoulders, but he still produces the way he was producing when he was the only hitter in the Angels lineup. So, you know, Mike Trout is a little bit more comfortable now. He's able to focus more on himself, knowing that he has other guys to back him up on the mound and in the lineup and in the field. So maybe Mike Trout, but that is not – I'm not confident in that one just yet. Yeah. Um, Mike Trout, always always a good pick. You know, one of the better players in the league. Uh, someone who's really uh, put themselves, like, in, in a special place for me is Shohei Otani with just the ability. The things he's been able to do on both sides of the ball in the, you know, hitting and pitching. You know, it, it's really impressive. And, you know, he really becomes almost invaluable because of his ability to do both things at a high level. Um, you know, he has an ERA below three right now. It, it's really impressive. Um, and ultimately, I think that if he's going to have a, a three or sub three season with, you know, a, a 260 season hitting 30 home runs, you know, how, how can you not give him the MVP? He, he ultimately makes himself the most valuable player. Yeah, Dylan, I can't agree with you more on that. He is such... You know, it's not like he's a pitcher who is occasionally in the lineup and he's not a hitter who occasionally pitches. He does both so well. And he mentioned, you know, such a low ERA. And you think about, you know, when I think about pitchers who, hey, you can think of like Zach Greinke, he's hit a couple home runs. Madison Bumgarner hit a couple home runs on the Giants, like when he was with the Giants. But you just, Otani is so good at doing both that he keeps drawing comparisons to Babe Ruth. And I think he absolutely deserves those comparisons. I think those are all true. But when you're comparing a player in 2021 to Babe Ruth, and you really haven't had anybody between Babe Ruth and that player, I think that says a lot about who that player is. Uh, and if he's able to hold this up, and if he's able to consistently hit bombs in the lineup and pitch the way he's been pitching, I really think that's a huge, you know, huge value to your team. And Mike Trout could do all he wants in the field and all he wants to do at bat, but if Shohei Otani is able to get on the mound and pitch the lights out, that puts him way above Mike Trout. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree.
we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about Can we just talk on the crew? This is the segment where we get away from sports for a little while because we're more than sports guys. Of course we are. Uh, I'm Dylan McCoy, joined by Gideon Fox, Mikey Nichols, and K.R. Pallon. Um, we've we've talked a lot on this show, and I'm sure the people on the other days of the week uh, have also talked a lot about, you know, the Rutgers graduation situation where it was virtual. Well, now they are deciding um, that they are going to offer uh, an in-person graduation, I believe, late in October, if not early November. Um, you know, ultimately... Uh, no spinning uh, prize wheel today. You know, I, I think we can all uh, talk about this one. Uh, guys, I mean, how do you feel about this this decision by Rutgers? Uh, do you think that, you know, it was the right change? Do you think they're, they're trying to save face? Uh, that's my personal opinion, but I'll get into that later. Um, I, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, Kior. You know, as a senior, I think you have a very uh, uh, valuable opinion in this debate um but i'd love to hear from all of you guys what you have to think about this i think i can give in my two cents first i guess um like you mentioned i think one of the things that i was looking forward to when you know everything started going back to normal i was like okay um you know graduation which seems to be a pretty big step in everybody's lives um you know a a good milestone that everybody kind of looks forward to for at least i would say the last like 12 to 14 years of their life um you know and and it's a good milestone to celebrate with your friends with your family and obviously with the institution that we've been in for the last four or five or six years however it may be and i think over time when you know when the pandemic set in obviously last year's class uh didn't get to celebrate it as well and you know i had a couple of friends who were there last year and they kind of said it was the same thing you know and they, they eventually they got over it, but you know there was still that thought in the back of their head that if their university really wanted to, they could have done something better. Uh, and especially now knowing that we have the right, uh, you know, precautions in place to to allow some in person classes for next semester, right? That was the first news that came out. That yes, we will have uh, the semester to go um, in person next year. Now that for the class of me and all of my other friends who are graduating um, with me, we're like, okay, that's a good sign. Hopefully, we'll have you know not a, a big commencement together, but maybe our individual schools can go and graduate in person. And then um, they had came out with the fact that uh, we're allowing attendance back into uh, sporting events at Rutgers. Uh, started with the lacrosse game. I but uh, started with the soccer game, uh, soccer matches this year uh and that eventually you know expanded into the other spring sports that were going on and uh eventually it meant that the spring football game of the the football team uh was going to be taking place in may same month as uh, the Rutgers graduation would take place and that was announced to be allow 5,000 fans in person right uh and when you think about it i think most schools that are um you know, individually separated within Rutgers, they're going to have around that same figure. Um, a couple, you know, I would say a couple thousand would be reaching it. But um, regardless, I think it still would have been a nice opportunity for us to be at least, for us, when I say us, I mean the students, uh, 
who are graduating to have a ceremony in person, uh, you know, in the conversation, at least with the spring game. But that wasn't until after. And recently it was announced that now we're going to have graduation for not only this class, but last last year's class as well, the 2020 class, a day before ours. Uh, and it's going to be basically the classes of 2020 and 2021 graduating together on a weekend in October. Um, not even this summer, but in October, by which most of us uh, who are graduating and who may be starting jobs or whatever are going to be, you know, in the the routine of living our full-time job lives or whatever it may be, part-time job lives, right? Whatever we we're doing after college, we're going to already be doing that. And now we're going to have to pluck ourselves away and, you know, plug ourselves back into uh, our graduation mood, I guess you can say. But I don't know. I think it was just all poorly handled by the university, uh, kind of just throwing you know, academics into, into like a little corner for a little bit while everything was going back to normal, focusing on athletics, uh, a little low blow, so to say, but, um, it's happening nonetheless. I don't know for sure if I'm going to be attending, uh, the upcoming graduation, um, again, due to time constraints, I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to, you know, go and take a break, uh, from whatever it is I'm doing to go and celebrate graduation, but I hope I can, um, and I hope it's not, uh, you know, a poorly put together uh, ceremony that's just, just, you know, thrown together for, for the sake of it. But I'm sure I'm speaking for a majority of uh, graduates when I say that it would have been nicer for this to have come out, you know, before the summer or for this to have happened in the summer, actually. And it would have been nicer if it, you know, if we were in the forefront rather than in the backstage. Yeah, definitely can see uh why you feel that way, you know. Being being pushed off it seems like to uh during the school year and next is, you know, not something that you can exactly, you know, just take a day to do. Um and I, and I and I definitely see why you think you guys were kind of like an afterthought in a way. Just be just because I don't know. It seems like Holloway could have made the decision, you know, like a little bit earlier but he could have also made it like the actual date earlier because this is just you know an inconvenience to everybody if you were to put it during like may or june like most people i think would be fine with that i think people would be able to make it i think just putting it so late in the year you know makes it seem like it's it it's just something that they want to think about later and i don't i don't think the seniors deserve to feel that way because you know they put a lot of time and a lot of money into the school they they spent a lot to get where they are and they graduated and they deserve to be you know get honored for that by the school because it was difficult yeah and i think some other schools um we've seen in the area we've seen penn state has had a graduation of what a lot of other schools are doing a lot of big schools like Rutgers. Um, they're having student-only graduations or students have very limited amounts of tickets they could give out. Uh, and they do those in the stadium, in their football stadium, except everyone sits in the bleachers, in the seats, in the stadium seats instead of on the field like usual. And the speakers are just on the floor, um, on the field. So I think SHI is, is huge. You could, you know, you could fit the senior class in there with appropriate guidelines. Um, you know, now... There's a, you know, a lot of people are getting vaccinated and it, it would be an outside event. So 
the, the it, it's just a much safer event anyways, just because of the, you know, when it's happening, it's going to be outside. So I think other schools have laid out the groundwork of how to do graduations. It doesn't have to be as big as it usually is. It doesn't have to be, you know, everyone is there. The stadium is packed like it usually is. They could have done something with just the students in the football stadium, like other schools have been doing, you know, and giving people the respect that they deserve and acknowledge, you know, all the hard work and all the money that these people really put into their, their last couple of years here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would agree.